Episode 101, dated Saturday the 18th of April 2009, Sex in Video Games. Welcome everybody to the Digital Cowboys Video Game Podcast. You're a game company. That's why you make Mario for us. So if they carry on making a new Mario game, a new Zelda game, the stuff that we've come to rely on, that's all well and good. But the one thing they forgot to show in this conference was anything for that demographic. Move to the next section, you shoot all the guys there, you go to the next section. What other what shooter doesn't do this? I'm, but I'm, it's what they do with the AI to make those shooting sections interesting. I mean, yeah. One of the achievements is play it for more than 20 minutes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when we do an imitation of a Ponzi Brit, do oh, we yeah. sound as bad? Yes. yes. <laughs> I am actually sitting here drinking tea as yeah. we're doing this podcast. Is there a trend in the industry you wish you could do away with? Activision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Alex Shaw. I'm Tony Atkins. And we're very proud to have on the show this week's special guest, Daniel Floyd. Now, hey, folks. <laughs> I don't want to do you an injustice, Daniel, with an inaccurate introduction, so tell the boys and girls exactly what it is you do. Uh, well, right now I'm a student who is studying animation and hoping to get work somewhere, but, but the reason I'm here today is because I make some videos on YouTube now and then, and uh, they're just kind of little... I guess they're just lectures, just little small lectures that are done just kind of in a nice, easy, humorous way, just talking about video game issues or really whatever James Portnow writes to me and talks about. So, And who is James Portnow, for those James who don't Portnow know? James Portnow, uh, he used to work as a game designer at Activision. He has since split off and created his own uh, studio, uh, Divide by Zero Games. And uh, they haven't put out anything yet, but I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. But he has a lot of good insights, so we kind of work together on these things. Okay, what's the best way to find him on YouTube? You just uh, type in Daniel Floyd, and that will pretty much bring up your work. Yeah, yeah? Daniel Floyd, video games. Yeah. I've actually put some um, – they're all on the blog, so uh, yeah. if you if you want to check out the – I've got some links on there. Um, did you actually use them as coursework? Uh, the first two were class assignments. I just um, – I had an art history teacher who had us do a research thesis and uh, – she she knew that nobody in the class really wanted to be there. It was just required, so she would let us do. She would let us pick whichever topic we wanted, something related to our uh, major, preferably maybe right. kind of practice for a research thesis later. But uh, I went ahead and just chose to do video games and storytelling, and rather than do a boring little ten minute PowerPoint oral presentation, went ahead and made that little video instead. And uh, it went over really well, and it was really fun. So I just kind of just kept on doing them. So you got a good reaction to that in the class then? I did. Uh, there, I think there were maybe two people in the class who played video games at all. Uh, it, it, they definitely weren't the target audience for it, but they seemed to enjoy it anyway. So I think they just didn't want to listen to another per- person mumble and stutter up there in front of the class for <laughs> more minutes. Well, seriously, if, if we'd had that kind of stuff in my uh, college when I was there, I would have just sat bolt upright and went, right, okay, what? I'm taking notes. <laughs> Brilliant. Good stuff. I mean, seriously, um, I'm, I'm going to butter you up on this one, but um, what happened was uh, I wrote a – this is for those who don't already know because I've already said it at least once. I wrote an article on uh, sex in video games. Um, I think it was basically after I we talked to Edie about the penis in Grand Theft Auto 4 Lost and Damned. Um, I then listened to Game Hounds that week after, and she was talking about it again. She went on and on and on, dick, 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 and – what she was saying made a hell of a lot of sense. So basically she just prodded at my journalistic um, gland and I thought, right, 
I've got to write about this. And I, I included her in the thing. I, I gave her credit and said, like, she's given me this idea. And I started writing about sex in video games. And I was all just writing free form and thinking, uh, you know, here's how it's occurred in other games. And here's how it possibly could actually move forwards in the industry. And, and um, I reached the general conclusion that basically the people who say, whatever happened to Pac-Man and Pong uh, need to die first of old age. Um, and then the people who are born maybe 10 years ago, maybe now, will, you know, basically be playing video games where sex is an integral part of a lot of adventure or drama games. And it, be- it becomes something that we just sort of wonder why we ever did without it for so long. And then my wife found your presentation. And I was like, oh, shit. It looks like I've just copied him. Christ. <laughs> so I thought, right. I've got to do something about this. I'll get in contact with him and I'll get him on the show so you can say. <laughs> so it was you a can, good article. Yeah, yeah thank, thank you very much. But uh, just basically so we can discuss it. So everything that comes out of our mouths now is entirely original. We haven't been sort of like copying off each other. Wicked. You know, if even if you had copied me, I could not have gotten angry with you because it turns out there's really only been one book on the topic of sex and video games ever written. Uh-huh. It's by a woman named Brenda Brathwaite. She's done a lot. She's just done a lot to kind of raise to just really push sex in video games for a long time. It turns out she is a the head of like the video game department at the school I was at when I created that video. Oh right. And and I and I'd writ and I'd used a lot from her book in hmm. just, uh, in a lot of the background of sex and games and such. She called me into her office two days after it like hit Kotaku and kind of started getting a lot of attention. Oh shit. And, yeah, and I was thought and I thought she was calling me in to just like hey congratulate me hey good job you're push you're pushing sex and games good it, I want to talk to you and I was feeling pretty good about myself and then uh, she called me in and and uh, just. Uh, she just really raked me over the coals because I had because I mean I created it for class I hadn't put like work cited or anything at the end of the video yet right I, I just hadn't given her any credit and she showed and she asked me if I'd seen the presentation that she gives at that conferences and such before and I said no and she started like kind of clicking through it really fast and I just went pale because it looked it was roughly exactly, the same thing it almost exactly my video right. even even a lot of the same images <laughs> just and it was just I was horrified. So well, I'm assuming fun. you both did a Google search for that particular game. Yeah, yep, that'll I do. Did, I had I just used Google Image Search, but uh, she. So kids, uh, cite your sources. Cite your sources. Yeah, what's well, <laughs> it? You, you know, I'm starting like with. Jackass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Well, um, Brenda, excellent work, and uh, inadvertently or not, we've uh, we've all benefited from it, and uh, it's yeah, yeah, pitch her book, yeah. Right. Aside from sex in video games, we also have random <laughs> game of the week. What you've been playing, and the news, and the mailbag, and they're coming up in a second. Before we start with that, just wanted to boast about one thing. I just hit 20k on my gamer score. Now I know that's one fifth the amount that Tony's got. In fact, it's probably one sixth now. Tony, are you on 120 yet? I haven't said anything the entirety of this podcast. So uh, no, 105. <laughs> oh, shit. Tony, how you doing? Mate? I'm perfectly fine. Now carry on. It's fun. Okay. Um, well yeah, done, Alex, anyway, 20k. Thank you very much. Uh, um, I got to uh, nine, uh, 1900, uh, sorry, 19,977. So close, and I finished Mass Effect, and I was like, come on, take me over the 20k. That is such a good you know, game to finish on. And it was 23 points away. So I, it was then a lightning dash, because I had to get you know 20 before I started this podcast. What can I get 25 points out of? Turned out, Hitman Blood Money. And, uh, yeah, got 25 points just for basically souping up a shotgun and then getting it through a whole level, which is harder than it sounds because you've got to wander around with a friggin' shotgun on your arm, which is not very, you know, stealthy. Welcome to my world. (laughs) (laughs) Scrabbling for the points. Okay, right. Let's crack on with the news. News. 
Ubisoft officially announces Assassin's Creed 2 for holiday 2009. Fantastic. Um, well, nothing you can really say about that. No, there's no no news apart no from news. there's a there's an image of the new Altair and his name's uh, what's his name Dolce Letti di Firenze or something like that. Um, and it is set. Oh man, they did actually say when it was set, and I'm completely lost. It's set in Florence in the Renaissance. That's it, yeah, that, that 15th kind of century, thing. isn't it? Yeah, so it's not set in the future or anything weird like that as no. we know at the moment. Good. Frankly, we've got enough modern-day assassin-type things. We need, uh, yeah. I, I like, I like what they've done. They've seemed to, with the redesigning of the character and yet keeping the, the many sort of Altair, mm. you know, hallmarks on there. They really seem to have sort of gotten themselves an identity on the game. So, um, yeah, and I'm glad. The base has been there. I mean, Assassin's Creed, as much as what anyone, you know, there's lots of opinions about it. But you know, I enjoyed it. But yes, it was repetitive, and hopefully, with 17 months development time uh, on top of the the core shell of it, then you know, I, I think they can pull off something really special. But uh, we shall see. But I'm, you know, everyone knew it was coming out this year anyway because they kind of let slip right at the start of the year. But right. uh, I'm still doesn't dampen my spirits. That's the first kind of big AAA blockbuster game, I guess, is that we know about that's coming out yeah. uh, this this fall. I'd expect to see stuff on it at E3. That'll that'll uh, be something yep. I'm looking out for. And indeed, PAX. Can't wait. Right, uh, it's not set in pre-revolutionary France, though. So uh, that's a shame, because we don't get, won't get to see public guillotining. But, um, you know, you live and learn. Okay, I have one thing to say about the DSi before we change from the news. And this is actually something that struck me uh, while I was at work the other day. I was thinking to myself, you know, some, something's been bugging me about this thing. Um... It's what you lose when you uh, when you get it when you get the upgrade when you get you can now log on to the, the Nintendo's. Do you actually have to access it with the Wii or? Um, no, no, it's all through the their online browser inside the DS. So you can do it, okay, right, okay. So you're on an online browser in the DS, but what do you lose? Uh, the Game Boy Advance slot. Precisely, guess, and memory. that means you can't play what. If you wanted to, which not many people would, uh, Guitar Hero. Well, well, Guitar Hero. On tour. On tour, decades. And decades. Right, true. However, you don't just lose that. What you're actually losing is the opportunity to play all of Nintendo's back catalogue of incredible SNES games that have been then ported to the uh, Game Boy Advance. I'm sure they are on the Wii Store. Just a, here's a little list of, of what we are basically losing to be able to play these new WiiWare-style little games on the, on the DSi. Super Mario Bros. Advance 1, 2, 3, and 4, which is Mario Bros. 2, 3, 4, and Yoshi's Island. Pokemon Ruby and Sapphire, Zelda A Link to the Past and Diminished Cap, Metroid Fusion and Zero Mission, Castlevania Aria of Sorrow, Final Fantasy VI and Tactics Advance, Golden Sun, Fire Emblem, Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga, Mario Tennis and Golf, Mario Kart Super Circuit. I know the DS version is the best version available, but still, this is a great little SNES-style one. Harvest Moon, Friends of Mineral Town, Advance Wars 1 and 2, Super Monkey Ball Jr., Street Fighter Alpha 3, Final Fight, WarioWare <laughs> Twist. the idea. Yeah, exactly. There are... Yeah, dozens, if not hundreds, of, of GBA games out there, and the, the reason that you know they've taken this this ability away is because they're not making Nintendo any money because they're now on, on the secondary market, which is fine. You know, if, if you're Nintendo, you're thinking, oh Christ, every time someone buys Super Mario Brothers Advance Two on eBay, we're not getting a penny of that, and we won't be able to sell it on the on the uh, Wii Store. And I'm I'm fo- I'm all for Nintendo making money. God knows they need it, but I'm also what is your point here? I mean. Right, here's my point. Most of these are masterpieces in gameplay and design and absolute classics, all of which can be bought for pounds or dollars on eBay, and I'll bet many for less than the price of the downloadable games. Now, it's feasible that Nintendo may match or even equal these games in the next few years with DSi-specific titles, but with all bias aside, it's honestly not likely. So yeah, you have... But, what? 
but why does why didn't Nintendo? I mean, there's no written rule that says Nintendo has to support older generations. I'm not saying they should. Yeah, but the same way as that PlayStation 3 decided, you know, as a cost-cutting measure, let's just ditch the entirety of the PlayStation 2 back catalogue. And that was a good idea. No, it wasn't necessarily a good idea. I'm just saying that, you know, there is a Game Boy Advance you can pick up anywhere, let's face it. Precisely. You can get it for £15. It's not really a major issue. It's, it's not going to be like, I can never play these games again. If, by the way, if you are going to buy a Game Boy Advance to play the above games, which are excellent, get an SP, for God's Definitely. sake. Don't get the one without the backlight. Uh, and an SP is still better than a micro as well. So. I just guess it, um, my feeling about this is that Nintendo don't necessarily owe you, you know, all these old games. They've supplied hardware to do this for for so many years. That, you know, the DSi is, I think it's got bigger, far bigger issues than whether it can just play uh, older games. That, you know, it just seems to me like a, a, a very shrewd way of actually mess, um, putting a price increase on a piece of hardware that's actually already, what, three years old? Absolutely. I understand that, and I understand why they do that, and I don't feel that Nintendo owe me anything, but to me, it's actually more of a downgrade. Well, then, just buy a a normal DS Lite. I don't need to. I've got one. (laughs) Ha (laughs) ha. Okay, that's all I needed to say about that, but yeah. Okay, there we go. Right. Shall we go on to the main feature and talk about sex? Oh, my favourite subject. It's it's rare that we ever talk about sex, you and I. So let's get really fucking uncomfortable. Okay, let's be as mature about this as possible, because I really, you know, they're, they're, we could be puerile, we could make, you know, puns, uh, but uh, it's it's a it's a serious business, and it's why we got you on here, Daniel. Because um, whether you wrote the original stuff or not, you you have a, a very good grasp on 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 how sex is handled. Uh, Edie does too, and we wanted Edie on this one as well, but I think. It would just become chaotic with all four of us shouting at once. So, uh, just for you, Edie, we're going to mention the one thing you wanted us to talk about, and we'll do that later. But, start off. Right. The way that games are portrayed in the media regarding sex appears to be that, at least when they made the Mass Effect uh, big deal, that uh, games featuring sex appear to uh, uh, would be games where the sole point of them is to actually go and have sex. Would you say that that, that was fair? That uh, that that that, um, that appeared to be what uh, Fox was saying about Mass Effect at that kickoff. That's what they focus on. To them, it is all that matters. In my article, I said it was it was it had its roots in culture, and and then ultimately, there's a very specific divide between America and England uh, that are kind of the, the difference between Fahrenheit and Indigo Prophecy. Uh, very significantly, is that the sex scene in Indigo Prophecy has been taken out. Um, so I have a. Uh, <laughs> I put in, in the notes here, take an educated guess as to why the USA is so hung up on sex. Now, there's a bear trap if ever I saw one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to take a stab or, or, or shall we, with our English I've, outsider's point of view? I've been thinking about it, but I I honestly don't know. I don't know if, who exactly is to blame for I know it's kind of deeply entrenched in just how our culture has gone, and I do feel the need to apologize to <laughs> everybody else for... Uh, because I get the feeling that it is mostly my country that is holding back this sex and games issue. 
But uh, I don't know. I'm actually interested in hearing uh, an objective opinion from you guys. Hmm. Um, it may come down to actually um, the cultural roots of just like a few hundred years ago where um, you, you had some fairly religious separatists that, that formed the basis of, of America's... Um, you know, kind of original culture. And a lot of that has been handed down. So, you know, for many, many hundreds of years, it was all kind of about, you know, being as, as, as pure a kind of folk as you could possibly be. Uh, all the while, um, the, the British were sort of wallowing in their own filth until the Victorian times came along. And then suddenly everyone became either genteel or a chimney sweep. Um, but, but come on, then, the UK is, I mean, Britain alone has been obviously massive uh, Christian culture, so uh, I think that plays the same. I, I think the reason probably is America, you know, as, as viewed from someone in, in this side of the world, seems to be very a closed off area. You know, you, you pretty much have your own news section, everything goes on, and it just involves America. Mm-hmm. Where, where in the UK in particular, we have many, many cultures from all over Europe. I think it's just been a clash of. Different cultures over the last, I don't know, maybe a hundred or so years of, you know, the, the French and their flamboyance in, in, you know, certainly openness about sex and the Netherlands. Um, and the, let's not forget the, uh, the legendary Germans and, and all the laboring of <laughs> sex. I think that stuff has probably just filtered down across Europe a lot more than coming over the coast. You know, I think you might be right. Sorry to cut you off there, mate. Um, it wasn't, what, 15 years ago when we were coming into adolescence, they still put fucking dots in the porn mags. Um, and it's been just a slow encroachment since sort of the mid to late nineties when they suddenly like got rid of the dots and maybe, I think possibly just the BBFC changed hands, uh, with, and different people came on, different people left. And I think the, um, maybe it is linked with films actually, because until that point in the late nineties, you, the, the highest rated video you could get was an 18. Whereas then I think when things like the Lars von Trier film, the idiots came out, uh, the, the porn industry said, Oi, hello, excuse me, that, that is penetration. You said we couldn't do that, and we're, you know, our, our livelihoods depend on that. Now suddenly Lars von Trier gets to do it. And, and I think the BBFC said, Alright, but only licensed sex shops, and they bought about something called an R18, which is kind of like adults only in America. Uh, do you have that in, on videos as well as games? I think more or less. I mean, we, I guess we, uh, if they want to actually sell in a retail store, then they will just go for no rating at all. Right. Ah, yeah, unrated. Okay, we don't have that at all. It's yeah. kind of, it's got to be rated. It's, it's That's, a loophole over here. So, yeah. okay. I mean, if it's rated any higher, then most stores won't take it. But if it's unrated, then that's just a, uh, it's the same thing. Right. But you forget the flip side of the coin, Alex, is that we're completely still hang up on violence. It's so, just, yeah. well, less so than America, it would seem from you know, my. Well, Manhunt didn't get banned in America, and neither did, was there that massive furor when that uh, some some poor kid got murdered, and they actually t- they took the original Manhunt off the shelves. The immediate result being everyone fucking bought it on eBay for ridiculous jacked up prices. Um, it, ultimately, it had nothing to do with it, but I think the, the fact that we we can get pretty you know hung up on on the whole violence issue just as much as you Americans can get hung hung up on sex. I think you're right, Tony. Mm. Um, Okay, right, so, that's the cultural side of it. What games have advanced the medium? As in, what games have ever gone beyond just, uh, if you want to categorize them, games with a lewd and puerile plot revolving around titillation or the pursuit of sex, such as Leisure Suit Larry, Playboy the Mansion, BMX Triple X. There's, there's some notes in front of you, which, which kind of gives you a clue as to which one's <laughs> why. <laughs> but by all means, uh, add it to them. I mean, okay, right. The Witcher. I don't know anything about this game. What, what do you do in The Witcher? I haven't played it. Oh, good yeah, lord. 
Um, no. what, I, what I know about it is an RPG where you, you travel around and you have the ability to actually um, you know, hook up with different women that you pick up in bar and then you can meet a time and a place to actually meet up and obviously you can then go on and actually... Uh, I mean, I want to say do the dirty deed and that just sounds... It just... No, like, no, it just yeah. say have sex. Have sex. There you go. There you go. It's, it's no longer the dirty... But that's the thing. The culturally, you were like, ooh, can't actually say it. <laughs> For God's sake, we are grown adults talking about sex and we can't say it. <laughs> okay, right. Um, I've put Fable 2 fun. here. Now, in the original Fable, you could have sex and it... I don't think that that really uh, enhanced the plot, really. But significantly, the pregnancy aspect of it in Fable 2, it really did, can be tied in with characterization because if you have sex with your wife or indeed your husband, in uh, Fable 2, and a child comes out of it, that advances your character, because you suddenly change from, uh, you know, just someone who's married to someone who's a parent. Now, ultimately, if you're just playing, you know, casually, that might not, not make any difference to you, but it makes a hell of a lot of difference if you're getting seriously involved with the character. It's true. Totally. And uh, also, think about it. I mean, that's something that tackled, you know, the, the contraception as well. I mean, yep. Initially, you'll be digging up an old used condom from the, you know, a, a pile Thanks, of... doggy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you up a condom and, uh, you know, there you go. But, I mean, you think about Fable 2, it's, it was a, you know, a million-seller game and it hit probably a younger, younger demographic than stuff like Mass Effect and The Witcher and, you know, other such things. True. So, uh, you know, and it was technically possible to have an orgy, albeit... And here's the thing, if you haven't played it, folks, it just, the screen goes dark and you hear, ooh, ooh, that's my lover, that's great, oh, that's champion. <laughs> also gay sex, don't forget as well. Yep, oh, oh, that's good, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even, I, I uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, so it wasn't actually graphic sex on screen, and thus, Fox didn't care. Um, I think ultimately the second a boob pops out, they, they, they shit themselves. So, I don't know, maybe... Also because it was done in such a kind of a carry-on way, no one could take it seriously. They couldn't That's go, RAPE say. SIMULATOR! Yeah. I think, I think it helps also that Fable 2 kind of... I mean, it was there, but it was downplayed. I mean, you didn't... There was never really advertised very heavily that, uh, that there was, or there was sex scene, sort of, in Fable 2, or you could impregnate people, or have gay relationships, or whatever. It was just kind of a part of the game, just a part of life, just like a lot of other stuff in the game. Whereas in Mass Effect, I mean, they announced early on, you could, it's like, one of the features is you could have sex with some of these people. And thus, that, I don't know, it just brought a lot more attention to it. Just, uh, right. Yeah. Let's talk about Mass Effect, because I finished that today. I was, um... At the beginning of the week, I had uh, Indigo Prophecy and Mass Effect on my table, and I thought, shit, I have to have sex twice by Thursday. This is going to be a marathon. And play these games. <laughs> okay. Come on. We were going to be mature about this one, Tony. You brought it right down. Okay. It's worth it. Moving on. Here's the interesting thing, though. Whacked in Indigo and Prophecy, checked the fact, because I was like, I've got to find out, but I don't want to have any spoilers. So I was checking for sex. As it turned out, I'd gone past the bit where you have sex and it had fluttered past me and I'd had no idea it was there. So I went back to an earlier save, a completely different game in fact, played through 45 minutes worth of stuff and then got to the bit where you could have sex, did things slightly differently, played a bit of guitar, you know, and um, and I was like, oh, my heart was pounding because I think if I fuck this up, if I don't play the guitar right, I'm screwed. Uh, and then I got to have sex in the game and Unlike Mass Effect, as I found out later, you press up and it goes, ah, and you, you, it, the camera's spinning around, two people on the bed making love, and you press up, 
and then you press up, and it, like, it's got to be in time. It's a friggin' mini game, and I want that they're going a bit far with this. And it's the camera rotates around. You see a bit of boobage, a bit of bum. It's crappy old polygonal PlayStation Two style graphics. I'm playing it on the Xbox, um, and then I think you just finish. She rolls over. You go to bed. You have a dream, and it's totally integral to the characterization of uh, Lucas, who you're playing. It's, I mean, ultimately, I didn't have to have sex at that point, and ultimately, she, she just left, and, and, and you, you felt really sad and alone, or she stays with you, and you don't feel so sad and alone. It was entirely organic. I thought that's how it should be done. The one place they went a bit too far was with the mini game, because ultimately it was like, oh, come on. Really? Exactly. They, they actually turned it into a game mechanic itself, which yeah. kind of almost cheapens it, I would imagine. It diminishes. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, at the same time, unflinching in it. Uh, I, I really feel sorry for um, the fact that American audiences, when they get to play Indigo Prophecy, no sex for you, folks. And nope. I, I'm assuming, what does it do? Just go to a blank screen and... Uh, and then it probably just carries on the no, same choice really as you. It have. just cuts it. it. Like you, like I didn't even know it was there the first time I played through the game. I just I found out later that oh they cut stuff. Huh. Ah. so you, have you finished it? I have. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Don't tell me a damn thing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, I'm. I don't I'm, think I could. I am really enjoying the game. It's it's annoying as I've said before, but and I really will talk about it at a later date. But I just don't want to do it yet because um, there's there's many many subtleties to that game. And, and once again, gonna suggest it. Twelve hundred points on Xbox Live. Go now. Mass Effect. Go the second it. time I had sex this week. I'm very proud of the fact that I managed to finish it as well. Um, the game. And. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, uh, I'd been romancing Liara the whole way through because I was playing a female uh, shepherd and um, I just, I, I, I didn't really feel like getting with Kaiden. I, I, if, for no other, he is a bit of a douchebag. He's a bit of a whiner. And I thought, you know, I, it's, it's nothing to do with being straight or gay or, or anything else like that. The, the, Liara is hot and she's, you know, um, shy and she's got these big blue eyes and she's, you know, you know, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> take, take this. Man, you chose the lesbian sex scene over the just normal sex scene. That's fine. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> no, I'm trying to say, Tony, and this is absolutely true. If Kaiden had actually been somebody that I, I felt, you know what, he, he's, he's all right, I'd probably have gone for him. But ultimately, I went with her because she's a bit of a geek, and I felt I saw more of myself in her than I did in Kaiden, no pun intended. And, um, and yeah, when I actually finally got to... Uh, it's not even really sex, is it? It's a joining. She goes on about this in a very poetic way, lots of butterflies and rainbows. But um, but when you actually finally do make love to her, it's it's it's. It, I actually sort of sat back and went, ah, that was really nice. And, and again, it was totally integral to the plot because I felt that's exactly what would have happened. And I think Indigo Prophecy, Mass Effect, the, the absolute, the two forerunners, I'm very lucky enough to have played them both this week and actually got those, um, for actually advancing the plot, because as, as you say exactly in your, um, in your presentation, Daniel, I've just realized I'm not letting you talk at this point. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually part of the plot and it's, it's part of the, uh, the, the behavior. Right. I have talked enough. You guys talk. <laughs> I'll just feed you stuff. Which games have held it back? The me, the, as a, you know, advancing the medium uh, of video sex in video games. Uh, I guess games that just treat sex just very, just kind of use it for just basic kind of simple appeal. Just uh, or just kind of uh, exploit it in a way. I guess like the BMX Triple X, uh, just topless code or right. the uh, just ones that kind of make just 
just games that reinforce the idea in the general public's mind that these are immature. <laughs> yeah. That these, this is an immature medium for immature people and also children. Yeah. Mostly children. Totally agree. Tony? Yeah, I mean, whenever we you know, we've, we've always been chasing this goal of, you know, being uh, treated as a, a more mature medium. I just, it's, it's stuff like, you know, Leisure Shoot Larry, isn't it? Box Office Bust that's just come out. And it's just, you look at that and go, really? Great. I mean, it's just, it's, it's the stuff that you see over and over time, and it's the things that the parents see and just go, well, there we go. I don't know, it's, it's just a sad state of affairs. I don't, I don't really know where I'm taking that one, so. I have divided the, um, the, the actual, the, the games we put down here on the notes into various different groups. The ones that I mentioned before, Mass Effect, Indigo Prophecy, Fable 2, The Witcher, I've uh, classed as games that feature sex scenes integral to character development, but still optional. And that's the thing. Ultimately, if you don't want your character to do that, they won't. And you can, you know, you can indeed miss them. But there are some games with sex scenes that are integral to the plot that you can't avoid. Uh, now, I've not played it, but uh, it says in, in Phantasmagoria, there's basically a rape scene that happens whether you like it or not. Um, so that, <laughs> I honestly can't see that being released to uh, to the public these days. Could you? I mean, at the moment, with the current climate? No, I think rape's always a touchy subject. So, you know, mm. it being in video games, it's just, it's, you know, it's a ticking time bomb, that would be. Yeah. Uh, Metal Gear Solid for somebody shags somebody else, no spoilers, um, but it, it, it happens in one of the cutscenes and there's nothing you can really do about it, and it is integral to the plot, and it does have uh, a comeback to it later on. Um, Max Payne 2, again, didn't play it, but there's sex in that as well, that ultimately it's, it's part of the plot. And uh, again, this is... I'd say specifically those two are, are more sort of you know pushing it forwards as saying, look, it's in the game, it's part of the game, it's it, ultimately not up to the, the viewer to decide, but it's not necessarily detrimental to character development to take the choice out of your hands. Um, okay, how would you like to see sex integrated into games? I'd like to see it done probably with just a little bit more maturity. I know it, it t- kind of takes balls to actually include sex in your game in general just because of the backlash that can happen like just because Fox News might find out but uh, I think uh, who said it? I think it was Lee Alexander wrote in a blog once that uh, intimacy might be the best place for games to start approaching sex just that's it kind of creates an environment just it sets up meaningful interactions between characters and it has a lot more just, it's a lot more powerful than just sex by itself. Sex itself isn't nearly as meaningful without the intimacy that is attached to it. And games like like the one I, example I used in the video of uh, just like holding hands with Yorda in the game Ico, it's, there's nothing actually sexual about it, but you kind of get a sense of a really meaningful connection between those characters, and it's just, it's kind of cute, and it's also just really sweet, and you can just, you can just kind of actually feel a connection, and it has impact. Totally. Which, yeah, I, I think that's BMX Triple X doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's also a problem of, of game design in, in general. I mean, I mean, you, you talk about the sex, and you, if you go the full, the full, you know, end product, something like Mass Effect or Indio Prophecy, you know, there, there's a hell of a lot of work to actually drive it to. There. I mean, ultimately, you, the idea is you're going to care about somebody, um, and you know, it's, I just think as a, a medium and, and graphical medium, it's very hard to actually um, necessarily relate to somebody that amount, that amount to actually feel for them. I mean, 
Remember the darkness, actually, where you just sit down and watch TV with your girl? Oh, I can't believe I didn't think of that. Just, um, yeah. Yeah, there's no, no sex involved there, but it's just a really touching moment. In fact, you know, I sat there for, you know, a five or six minutes just watching, what was, what's the program on it? It was a, a film or something, wasn't it? <laughs> God, uh, you can change the channel, but uh, she, uh, I think she said, I, I think I just let her, you know, choose the film, but, uh, yeah, and th- that's just as just as powerful as anything in in Mass Effect. I just, you know, it's it's the subtleties, and I think you know something like um, Yoda in in Ico is is a Yoda, perfect, uh, Yoda, Yoda in um, I don't come over here, you will. Ico is a perfect example of that, where it doesn't always have to be about you know the end game. It can be just be these these small glances. Yeah, I guess the tricky part is that it's just it's asking for games to be subtle, and subtlety isn't something that this medium has done very well so far. No. Because, I mean, 80% of games are mostly about, you know, driving a car, shooting somebody in the face. Mm. Yeah. yeah. doesn't really lend itself too well to that kind of medium. You do get to kiss Jenny in uh, The Darkness, actually, during that scene. And that is one of the most powerful kisses in a game that I've actually done. Because you're totally in head. Even though Jackie's, you know, something of a dick, you actually, you, you feel, you know, very close to her at that point. And actually, I, that was quite powerful now that I think about it. And I, I should really chuck that in. Because ultimately, how do you define sex? Um... Let's tackle the grimy stuff, because I promised Edie I would on this one, and we need to talk about the worst of the worst. So let's just finish on a low note, shall we? Um, right. First off, actually, now we, we can make this as positive as possible, the penis in video games. Now, we've discussed this at length with Edie, and Edie's discussed this at length on her show. Um, whether Americans are ready for <laughs> just, you know, sex and subtlety in games or not... Um, Grand Theft Auto 4, Lost and Damned, shoved a penis directly in their face and made a lot of people feel very uncomfortable, which Edie thinks is, is uh, well, Edie claims is boundary-breaking, and, and, you know, by many accounts it is. Um, but a lot of people have just said, well, all they're doing is trying to make all the teenage guys go, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. I think ultimately, again, the pe- any any thoughts on the penis before I give mine? you first Tony well they, if you look at um, Grand Theft Auto they've announced that that sold a million uh, downloads so you know that's a lot of penises in, in front of people's you know young adolescents faces as I said before I think you know, it's a it's a good thing it's a powerful thing uh, in such a you know well respected game to have it there um whether it's a good penis or not, and whether it, you know, the context of the scene is is particularly great, I still think that's a step in the right direction, even however childish it may be. Well, I have I have not seen the scene in question. Does it feel childish in watching it, or does it just kind of feel like it's just there? Interestingly enough, I watched it on YouTube, uh, and it got, <laughs> so to speak, and it got all the way to the end bit, and I was like, wow, okay, I'm perfectly prepared for this. And there was a dude's face in the way for the end, because they'd actually managed to censor it with a guy putting his face in there. And I thought, you know what, you've just made Edie's point very firmly. You were, you know, everyone watching YouTube is going to get a bit uncomfortable actually seeing it, so let's just stick a face on there, or just tease people with it. Just be mature about it, for God's yeah. sake. Well, the actual scene in question, I mean, it's, say it's a five-minute scene. For yeah. about four minutes, they actually they, they allude to it, it being there. So there's no, you know, a, a chair in the way, a in desk in the way. that kind of Austin Powers. Um, and you've got the character just, you know, looking down and feeling slightly uncomfortable. And then right at the end, he basically just, you know, walks out and, you know, there it is. It's, it's right in front of the player, right in front of the, your, your main guy. And uh, he almost – isn't he actually almost call out the guy for being so stupid and, you know, the yeah. just doesn't care, so, you know, whatever. 
the, I think part of the idea is that you know the, the scene itself is to do about a corrupt politician. Um, well, corrupt. Yeah, is he's the mayor of the state, isn't he? Or, yes. So you know, he's, he's basically asking for a hit to be uh, put on somebody you know fairly big, and none of that actually really kind of catches any attention. It's more to do with the fact that the guy's standing naked. Um, so, okay, here's how it's going to become accepted. Just a, just a theory. It's going to have to be something like Eastern Promises, a scene where it's natural for a man to be totally naked, and if he's in like some sort of fight situation and he's wrestling around naked as the day he was born, and it's it's just it makes sense that he is at that point, and it is an artistic decision. And everyone's just going to have to sort of deal with it. And that's what everyone fucking talks about when they talk about Eastern Promises. What everyone talks about when they talk about Watchmen. That shows the mentality of people when you put a knob in their face. And I think ultimately it's, it has to actually be pushed forward in a way that didn't have to happen in Grand Theft Auto 4. They just did it on purpose. Whereas in Eastern Promises and in Watchmen, it makes perfect narrative sense. He has evolved beyond the need for clothes. And in the, in the bathhouse, he's in a bathhouse. So it's going to have to be a situation like that. So maybe Kratos, it's not going to be in God of War 4, but <laughs> maybe Kratos goes to a, a, like a, a bathhouse and he happens to have his knob out. And uh, I, I, just, I don't think God of War 4 would be the subtle game that that's going to happen in. But I don't know, maybe something, maybe Heavy Rain might have one in it. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's got to be from someone mature. But what you're, you're, what you're saying here is, is like, you know, okay, there's penises everywhere in all our media. I mean, the reality of that is, yes, there's breasts everywhere. I mean, I can go down my local news agents and pick up, you know, we have a magazine here called Zoo. And it's just like, it's almost <laughs> like just porn. They don't show, you know, the bits down below, but, you know, bits up top. You know, breast, not a problem. Now, it, it's not like, you know, the penis is, is everywhere out. It, it, it doesn't really appear too many times in films. And when it does, like you say, it causes... People go, oh, God. So, you know, are we really expecting something like that to be jumped into the narrative medium of video game, which is still fairly young and uh, very, very hard to actually implement something like that? I think, yes. I think if it's in heavy rain, people may talk about the penis a lot, in, but it's it's the kind of... It's a project where there's so much more to the game than the penis that people could just get over it, you know? It's It's got to be something mature because, uh, you know, just <laughs> how uncomfortable we're making you right now is not going to cut it. I, I don't think that Grand Theft Auto is pushing the boundaries that... Uh, that Edie says, um, but it's it's a watershed, and that it's it's gone past. Now we need to do it with a bit more maturity. Yeah, that that is one thing I've respected Grand Theft Auto for in general is that it seems to always push a new boundary with every yeah. game, and whether or not it does it tastefully or especially well, it makes it to where we can say, okay, a game has had that now. Now we we've kind of gotten we've gotten over the initial shock of it. People have talked about it. It's okay. It's over. Now let's see if next time somebody does it, it'll be a little less shocking, and maybe they'll do it a little better. We'll see. But on, but on top of that, as well, you, you're talking about Rockstar Games, which you know the entire. I mean, this can go on to the next section. The entire mess with um, the hot coffee mod. You know, they they were actually scolded for having a sex scene in you know a bit you know hidden away sex scene in their game, and there they are with a piece of DLC that sells a million copies and just putting it straight in front of people. It's it's rubbing it in their faces. Um, also, that they uh, the gay kissing and bully. They, these guys are actually, yeah, as you, as you say, Daniel, they 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 push the boundaries. So, um, yeah, I think we can definitely expect more from Rockstar to to uh, to challenge conventions. But I don't think it's up to Rockstar to really get people to accept it. Just to go, look, here that is. 
Um, it'll be, again, I think, watch David Cage for the next few years. He'll have some stuff up his sleeve. Right. Anything else before we go on to the worst of the worst? Uh, let's just go. Okay. Right. <laughs> worst of the worst. I mean, basically, this is just the worst use of sex in games. Fallout 3. Do you have 50 bottle caps that you can't stand having around? Because there's this hooker you can find in uh, Megaton. And if you give her your bottle caps, she'll go and lie down on your, your bed, and your bottle caps will magically disappear, and the screen will go black, and she'll just be, you know, lying down fully clothed, and then she'll be up again in the morning. And, and that's technically sex. No, it's not. You just got ripped off. And that is the worst instance of sex in games, in terms of how incredibly disappointing it is to me. <laughs> Did anyone else have sex in Fallout 3? And I'm putting that in inverted commas. No, but it just seems like a, a lazy way of tackling it. It's almost like wants to be brave and tackling the issue of sex, but at the same time, it's just, you know, it's like, well, I don't want to be, you know, the guy with, you know, this, this, exactly the same as Mass Effect, this tiny little sequence here, just, you know, blowing out in proportion. So it's like, oh yeah, it's there, but it's not. Actually, sure, there is another bit in Mass Effect where you can have sex, isn't there? Did you ever find that bit? Remind me. There's no. uh, a companion, kind of like... Uh, oh, yes, yeah. In, Aura, uh, in, in the Citadel. Now, I hate the Citadel. I'll say that right now, before I start talking about Mass Effect and games you've been playing. Um, but you can, if you complete a mission for her, and then you do other stuff, then you can sort of demand more payment. And basically, you pretty much demand that she shag you. So that is, you know, ultimately, if you want to be that kind of, you know, scumbag, you can also have sex that way. Um, which I'm assuming is slightly less tender. But uh, that's interesting, I think. Okay, right. <laughs> Would you say that the God of War sex scene was entirely you know, relevant, or should it have just been you know, left out, or what? Oh, is it, hang on, sorry. Is it feasible that Fallout 3 actually had a sex scene, and then um, during the Mass Effect debacle, they were like, right, take that out, take that right out. It'll just go black and then come back up. That's again. possible. It does feel like there's just something missing. I mean, it could be that they were just trying to kind of have a little both, hey, we're including that sex is a part of this world but we're not we're not going to show it and or it, it really could be that they just had it in there and then they saw the mass effect thing and they said oh the hell with that let's take that out you know, putting in thousands of hours worth of you know work and then having us pulled up on this 20 second scene fox yeah. news wins yeah yeah, yeah. yeah just, just all the again all the hours and money put into this we don't want it to be the blue alien sex game true um Okay, right. God of War. All just see all the sex scenes in the in the series so far just seem to be kind of to show how empty Kratos' world actually is, because you compare it with the actual relationship he had with his wife, and it's there's nothing there. It's just empty, making a little glass shake or uh, a Cupid statue urinate or you know things like that. I'm assuming there'll be one in God of War three, but um, it's it just seems to be sad. These sex scenes in God of War. What do you say? They're just titillation ones on there. Yeah. I never really, yeah, obviously you just, they're button presses and once again off screen stuff kind of happens and that's mm. it. It's a bit kind of sniggery but at the same time, what I got from that was, was kind of sadness. Right. Playboy the Mansion. A game where surely you should be able to see some sex going on. Remember that one, Tony? I do, I did play that. Yes. We should do it for Random Game of the Week sometime. Maybe. Basically, you get to hang around the Playboy Mansion, which is where Paul lives, by the way, according to his US account. Um, <laughs> Likes to remind us. Yeah. And uh, you get to just chat up the bunnies, and then I th it's kind of like The Sims, isn't it? You sort of. You, very, very similar to The Sims. You wander into a, a corner, you sit on the couch, and then pixels happen, and then you get back up again. You're like, what just happened? Get rid of this game. This is fucking just. 
it's the worst kind of sex game that sells it on sex and then doesn't give you anything. <laughs> it's oh, it's back to the blue dots of the early nineties. Anyway, right, but uh, the the worst couple, the, you know, the the bottom of the barrel, beat 'em and eat 'em, and Custer's Revenge, which we mentioned on a previous podcast. <sighs> beat 'em and eat 'em, you have to. There's a dude jacking off on a rooftop. This is on the Atari 6600, so imagine a pixel jacking off on a rooftop, and then you have to control two women who run around underneath him catching his seed. Uh, and it was made by the same people who made Custer's Revenge, uh, Mirage, I believe the name was, uh, where you play a naked General Custer, dodging arrows as you walk ten inches across the screen, <laughs> and <laughs> if that... <laughs> And uh, shag a squaw to the sound of and then a TP blows up in the background, and then you do it all again. And it, it, both of them, you kind of look at the uh, what actually what they're presenting you with, and think they actually charge people for these. These are actually considered games. Mirage was a classy group of guys. Yep, uh, to, uh, you know, a blot on the industry. I think it would be the best reference. <laughs> okay, right. But to finish this one off, let's just talk about the one that if Jack Thompson heard about it, his head would fly off his body. And if Fox News heard about it, it would suddenly be this new Xbox game that everybody's playing. Rape play. Sexbox. Sexbox? <laughs> Question mark. Remember. Rape play. Okay, there's a, there's a review of this which I've sent to, to all of you guys, just so we can get to, the, to grips with this thing. But until today, I hadn't really read about what you do in it. Rape play is a game where you play a Japanese gentleman who uh, starts to uh, molest a woman on a subway, and then you follow her back to her home, and no, hang on, you rape her um, in a park, and then you take her back to her home and rape her and her two daughters, who are both essentially under age. Uh, words fail me. This is PC only. Amazon very wisely said, we're not selling this. It was supposed to be just for the Japanese market. There was a rough English uh, translation, I think, was actually not really uh, authenticated, and it wasn't supposed to happen like that. But basically, you could technically buy the Japanese version, you know, from overseas sellers. Um, There's nothing about this game that's anything less than the worst of the worst and the grottiest of the grotty. Uh, Any thoughts, gentlemen? It's hard making a case for sex in games with yeah. games like that around. That's exactly, yeah. But you also have to consider, I mean, and people don't think of it this way, and Fox News definitely wouldn't, but but these kinds of games, these kinds of uh, the adult games, the hentai games, just the adult sex games that you can see, like Flash games on the internet and such, <laughs> they are... So when we think of pornography, we do not really think of it in the same category as we think of pornography and film as two separate categories, almost. Yeah, they, totally. they may both be filmed, technically, but you don't think of the movies that you go and see on the weekend and pornography as the same category, really. And this, these kinds of games really are just kind of really sex toys that you would buy in a sex shop, just like any other one. Not really video games. It's... I don't know. I don't know really how that we're going to get that definition across to people. <laughs> no, no, I think you're doing a pretty good job there, actually. Yeah. Tony? One, you know, as, as I've previously said about this stuff, um, you know, and I think this is not, there's another level of mentality. I mean, you don't walk into a, you know, let's say a porn shop and pick up, uh, you know, rape porn because, you know, quite frankly, they're not going to stop that stuff. You know, it's, it's beyond their remit. And I think this, this 
is exactly the same for video games. You, it, it almost goes in an entirely different character category. You know, you could have sex games, which I'm sure are, are out there. Um, but then this is, you know, the stuff that is almost illegal in the background. And you, you're talking about Japan as well, and, and they're they're very very strange culture. And you know, we've mentioned hentai stuff, which is bizarre. If you actually just do a, a search of that on the internet, that will open up your eyes somewhat. Amazing what they can do there. So, no, it's it is extremely sad like something like this can exist but you know it's that's that's never going to stop somebody creating something the same way you're never going to stop people creating porn that is uh, far beyond titillation true uh very true there's there's one thing about this actually that actually speaks for it not really being a game and that's that it doesn't really have a, a happy ending there's only two ways you can end the game uh one uh you in an effort to make it more realistic, the uh, women you rape can get pregnant, and uh, you you have to force them to have an abortion. If you don't force them to have an abortion, one of the girls kills you. Uh, no, hang on. Yeah, she uh, she Frozen throws you in front train. of a train, um, and I think she also could stab you for some other reason or other. I, I, I don't think she really needs any more motive than the fact that you've been raping them repeatedly. Um, but those are the only two endings for the game. You can just carry on with the raping, and eventually you piss them off enough that they will kill you. But that's the thing. How can this be considered a game? Because ultimately, any, anyone playing it will just be thinking, uh, oh, no, I got stabbed. Oh, I'll try again. Or, or, you know, oh, well, you know, you go around raping, that's what's going to happen. I mean, I, I can't get into the mindset of someone who'd actually play this for fun, titillation, whatever it takes. I mean, just some sort of weird kind of... Uh, Anyway, escapism to the nth degree. Yeah, because it's far off what we're used to anyway. I mean, sure. it, it, it would be the same thing if we were a film podcast talking about a snuff film. You know, it, it's such the other end of a scenario. It's just, you know, it, it's horrible to actually talk about. It's just uncomfortable. So I don't think there is any conclusion other than some people were just severely messed up. And, you yeah. know, the fact that someone would create this and even sad, the fact that somebody, you know, is um, there the other end to buy such a thing is, you know, that's just human behavior. I think the equivalent is actually, you probably have heard of this more than us, um, uh, Daniel, Faces of Death. I have not heard of it. Uh, I could be wait, wrong. But wait, maybe I have heard of this. Um, it's, it's just basically a, like a collection of uh, people being shot in actual proper camera footage or something like that. I'm going to do some research before the end of the show so I can verify this one because I don't want to sound like I'm saying it. I just it's just yeah, it is, freaked yeah. into my head, so I'll check that one. But uh, that sounds familiar. Yeah, basically, it's it's that kind of grimy sub legal kind of you know. Yeah. Um, just, you know, aiming at a market of a fairly disturbed individuals, it's got to be said. Um, but the other thing that I thought of when I was reading about this was. And this has become one of my favorite phrases. What was the best that Illusion thought might happen releasing Rate Play? I mean, did they have meetings about it? Going, what, we've got to make it authentic. Uh, make sure they get pregnant? Yeah, maybe? Okay, get to work programming now. I mean, I, I could, I'd love to sit in on one of those meetings. And, you know, with a translator, obviously. But um, it beggars belief. I, it's, it's almost kind of inspiring that there are people that mad in the world that they would actually make something like this. Uh, but at the same time, really depressing. So, okay. Mm. Enough about this. Let's just go back to the nicer aspects of it that we were talking about earlier. It's going to take some maturity in games to actually uh, bring sex to the masses and, and make us go, oh, you know what? Um, yeah, okay, sex is just as good as, if not probably better than mass amounts of violence in games. And, yeah, I think ultimately the thing that everyone, all the Helen Lovejoys are saying out there is, what about the children? And that 
ultimately comes down to the classification system and the parents. And that's a whole other podcast. Daniel, uh, yeah. it's t- time for the Inside the Actor Studio James Lipton style questions that we ask all of our guests. Oh, that's right. Okay. Have you listened to any of the shows that we've done where we sort of asked other people the same thing? I did the uh, ED episode and the where you guys asked yourselves. Ah, uh, yes. Okay, right. So you're already familiar with roughly how they go. Um, I'm assuming you've got copious notes already, or <laughs> you're just going to do this? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Right, no, okay. No, no. Trying to make it sound unrehearsed. Okay. No, right. no. no. <laughs> Number one, choose three Desert Island games. You have power, but no internet connection. All right. Well, this isn't my show, so I can't say WoW or Warcraft or any of that. <laughs> Cheater. Tony Cheater. All right. Yeah. I still stand by. All right. All right. <laughs> all right. I, I would say Rock Band 2 at the top of the – well, all right. I'd say Rock Band 2 at the top of the list. Hey. Hopefully I can keep all of my downloadable content because I have downloaded a lot of songs. If we can, you can. Okay, cool. Then, then Rock Band 2, definitely. Brilliant. I'd put Psychonauts next, just because I think that's my favorite game. And uh, if not World of Warcraft, then I think another <laughs> game that could keep me entertained, or just at least keep me busy at least for just about as long, is one of the Disgaea games. Uh, it doesn't really matter which one. They are all meant to last a very long time. So Choose one. You must cho- choose wisely. <laughs> Four. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Alright, we'll say two. Okay. This guy two. Number two. All time favorite gaming machine and why? Hmm. Now this one, is this supposed are we supposed to be uh choosing based on like uh just the like the game variety that is on the console or just the uh, features the console has? First that? time we've been asked that question. Um He's de- dissecting the question. Yeah, just oh clever, mate, trying to throw us off. Okay, right. Um, <laughs> okay, right. I think basically we could just uh, boil it down to the games console you've had the most fun on and you like the most. I mean, ultimately, you're going to have to factor in the games no matter what. I guess it's true. You can't just go, oh, I love the uh, PlayStation 2 because the way it looks. <laughs> no one's going to say that. It's like a freaking toaster. Let's see. I mean, I've, I've obviously love, I love the 360 just for all the functionality, and it's got a lot of great games so far. The PS2 just has a ton of great games too, and nostalgia value. I'd have to say the N64. I've, I've been I've been trying to figure this out for the last few days, but uh, I guess I would say the PlayStation 2 just for the sheer game variety. I feel like the 360 is a improvement as a console, and will probably eventually kind of overtake the PS2 as just more and more games come out for it, but. At this point, I guess I would say the PlayStation 2. Wow. It's a good answer. Yeah, it's a good answer. We all, for the past, you know, when it was around, we were always talking about why the PS2 was really lame and it was saturated with crappy games. But looking back on it, there really were some excellent ones. You're right. Who's your most admired figure in the games industry? I think it's kind of a close tie. I'd say Tim Schafer 
and he really, I think he is the most, the person I admire most in the industry. I, a popular choice. I, th- I think he is probably the most, <laughs> I expect he's probably a really popular choice. I'd, but, uh, I'd have to say a second runner up to, and I don't know how to pronounce his name, the, uh, uh, harmonics, the head of harmonics, Alex. Alex Rigopoulos. Rigopoulos. Yes. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah. Just, he, just, I have been a fan of the, just everything harmonics has done, basically. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, just, yeah, they've really, I mean, I've enjoyed music, I enjoy games, but they have really helped me just to, they just really have propelled this kind of genre, and uh, I just eagerly look forward to everything they create from now on. See, we had the same problem in trying to put that uh, that feeling of playing those games into words. Yeah, it, it helped. I had, For a while, I had to move uh, a few hours away uh, about a year or two ago for school, and I couldn't take my drum set with me because I, because I am an actual drummer. I was so happy that Rock Band came out about a month before I had to move because being able to play the fake drums is close enough <laughs> to where it to where it not only do I think not only did it work as a fine substitute I think I actually improved playing the Rock Band drums it just like taught me new beats just improved my timing I think I actually was a better drummer when I came back into town Harmonix so, wants to shake your hands now and we, they want to put that on a statement somewhere so Harmonix thank drum. you all I love you Oh, and uh, live update, Faces of Death, apparently 40% of the footage in it was fake, but that leaves a hell of a lot of it being actual footage from existing wars, which was genuine. Oy Yeah, okay, right. Much uh, back to the nice stuff and the wholesome things. <laughs> Who's your admired, most admired... This is always the toughest one. Who is your most admired figure in the gaming community? Now, I was actually curious about this one, too. Do you like... Would someone who is like perhaps a game journalist count as a community or yeah. industry yeah. person? Basically, yeah. it's anyone who's not specifically making a game or contributing okay. towards the making of a game. Uh, although some journalists then went on to do game making, like right. Alex I was, I was considering saying Lee Alexander because I, I really like a lot of the writing that she does. She's written for Gamma Sutra and Kotaku and a bunch of places. Okay. I think I'd really have to say, though, just in, in all honesty, I think I'd have to say the Penny Arcade guys, just uh, Gabe and Tycho, just, just not only for everything that they've done, the child's play and packs and all of that, but just for kind of just how they've, just the position they have kind of achieved in this whole, in their community, in the, in the gaming culture. And just the, not really power, but just kind of the impact they have on it as outsiders. By the way, that was the perfect opportunity to big up Brenda Braithwaite. That was, right. <laughs> <laughs> I totally missed it. But no, go She's for the, Gabe and Tiger. She designed that Playboy sex and, uh, that Playboy the Mansion game, actually. She, she did was, not. I just had an alteration. No, you're full. Brenda, what were you doing, though? Seriously. <laughs> that, that's not a good she, game. You know well, it. She was trying to not make it all about sex. Oh, for God's sake. About the parties as well, man. Come on. Okay. Well, she made up for it by writing a really good book. So yeah, true, yeah. excellent, excellent book there, Brenda. Um, but yeah, I've got to say as well, Gabe and Tycho do rock, and I read Penny Arcade every day, and I love it. Right. What's your worst gaming experience? Well, I have played a lot of bad games, but I usually just shut them off right away. Hey, so, I, I, so I kind of went. <laughs> so I decided to go for more ones that were just. I was frustrated by Wii Play when it came out, just because I expected it to be fun. But um. Why? Why would you expect that to be fun? I, well, just because I, I, mean, I, I enjoyed it very early. I enjoyed, I enjoyed Wii Sports, and I expected this was yeah. going to be, hey, more games like Wii Sports, and then I got. I it, think that's and, how they sell the thing. Yeah, I didn't come. And then I realized that this is this is awful. And then, you know, I think my worst gaming experience is actually Jack Two, and I didn't completely even hate it. 
but that you know just the sequel to Jack and De- Jack and Dexter. Oh, yeah. do I know that? <laughs> I I played it all the way through, and I have never been so angry at a game. And even while I kind of enjoyed it, it's just brutalized me. They they made some game design decisions I wasn't as enthusiastic about. I I didn't like that they tried to get even just a little bit grittier with it. The uh, free roaming city aspect kind of got irritating with the driving and everything. It's just. I have never, I don't, I think, ever been so angry while playing a game. And even now, yep. when I look at the at the box on my shelf, I think my blood pressure rises just a little <laughs> bit just looking at it. I'm, I was the same. Jack on the Jack One um, was one of my all time favorite games on PlayStation Two. Absolutely loved it. And personally, I think it was right up there with me for um, uh, Mario sixty four. But you know, it was really, really solid. Uh, and then, yeah. and then I just went open world, and my heart sunk a little bit. And there was driving sections, and just oh, I was. What a mess. Oof. Yeah. Never been back since, actually. So, Did you break a PlayStation pad over it? No. I, that Soul Calibur 3 is the only game that ever made me do that. Ah, and yet you still don't rank that as, uh, as, as high as Jack 2, or no, as low it, as Jack 2. It was frustrating, but I, but I suck so bad at fighting games. It, I mean, <laughs> it's, I'm, kind of, I'm used to losing fighting games. But, uh, Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Uh, what's your favorite piece of music from a video game? I've been trying to think of this too. I I'm really a video game music enthusiast. Have you guys ever heard of a Overclocked Remix, the website? Yep, they made the uh, Street Fighter Hyper Fighting 2 HD remix thing. Yeah, I've been I haven't contributed anything lately, but I've made a bunch of remixes for them. I've uh, just oh, yeah, I'm just a really big video game music fan. I guess if I had to pick anything, I like the Metal Gear Solid series just because I am yeah. a fan of Harry Gregson Williams and just everything he does. Me too, totally. Yeah, and um, and the I've really been in love with the Little Big Planet soundtrack lately as well. But uh, I, awesome, me too. So yeah, so I don't know what music you're going to have at the end of this podcast because I honestly could not give you a single. Well, I used all my uh, Little Big Planet music last week, unless I need to buy another one. Uh, which is your favorite bit of Little Big Planet music? If you wanna step on my patch, bring you down. Love that one. I think. Uh, I think there's another one called like Corn Man or something. Uh. <sighs> so you'd rate that over Metal Gear Solid stuff, which we still ended on last week. We're kind of getting stuck on this. We're not doing Still Alive anymore. No more Still Alive either <laughs> no version. Halo. No, no more Halo. Alive. No Still Alive. Alive. Loud. No more Still Alive. No more Halo. Uh, Choose something else. <laughs> okay, I'll tell you what. You, you uh, we'll, come, have, we'll come back to that one. I'll think of something for you. Yeah, sure, sure. Just think of something for the end of the episode, and I'll uh, I'll whack that up. For you. But All we'll right. just take it as read that uh, Metal Gear and Little Big Planet are ranking at the top for you. Is there a trend in the industry you wish you could do away with? You kind of gave this answer already last week. Just kind of handicapped creativity in general, whether it be just kind of on the higher level of people like. Tim Schafer having to work so hard to release a game every time, or even just kind of on the smaller end, just uh, writers being brought in to write dialogue and such for video games when the story's already been written, so they really can't actually flex their creative muscle much. Or, yeah, yeah. as I read recently, uh, voice actors who aren't even aren't really allowed or given any time to actually figure out their character before they have to record. They're just told, all right, put this inflection on it, go. <laughs> Just say Hadouken. All right, try now. Now try slightly grittier. Hadouken. <laughs> and, yeah, and and that's about all that. That's about all they're really given. Just kind of like just anybody. We have a lot of really creative people in this industry, and it just bums me out seeing when they are not allowed to actually work to their full potential. Completely. 
That's how you know Tim Schafer's a good guy, and that's why we obviously that's why he gets chosen so much as a respected figure in the industry. Because if he didn't really care about making a really good game, he would just give up right now. He's like, you know, it's not worth the hassle. I'll just go and I'll be a creative director of some company somewhere where I don't have to keep struggling. So well, I, th- yeah. I think yeah. it's a bigger problem than that. A lot of the time is you know Tim Schafer's you know a, a well-respected person and has the ability to actually you know create story because people have seen what what's capable. I just an industry, this industry is full of safe bets because games are so expensive to make now or, you know, incredibly cheap and they end up just being WiiWare type stuff. But with those two, you know, platforms stuck there, it costing so much or costing so little, you know, that's, just, you know, the opportunity seems to be few and far between to be really creative and actually break out of that mold and just hope that you're going to be the one that has the, you know, the success that, that hit. I mean, your piece on storytelling was a, a prime example watching that. It, it rung so true. Yeah. And I hate rip-off DLC, but I'm sure everyone says that. <laughs> Just Don't me. get us started. <laughs> right, finally, where will gaming be five years from now? I guess, I, don't know, I would say probably much the same. Maybe they'll have announced new consoles by then. Actually, they probably will have at least announced them by then. I think if we're going to change any of these questions, it's going to be this one, because it traps people. They think, uh, do do I say another console, or do I say download only everywhere i mean five years isn't that long so ultimately the answer is always going to be a bit yeah, kind really, of cautious you know it's if it's 10 like years you say oh one it'll be a one console future but five so maybe they will have maybe they will maybe a uh, copy protection will have chilled out a little bit by then i don't know or got I th- worse i think copyright <laughs> law is in flux at the moment because everyone's using everything all over the place i mean little big planet perfect example and, and now they've just uh, added like sort of um ability to you know make your own braid levels and put your own stuff in there of course they're going to get mario stuff immediately are they going to clamp down on it straight away i mean they have to just accept that everyone's stealing from everyone right now and they're not necessarily making money from it basically they're tarring everything with the same brush of if you take this this um IP, you're going to clearly be making money from it. And anyone who, you know, either that or either you're making money from it or you're not, it doesn't matter. We've still got to basically clamp down on you. They're going to have to accept that unless you are making money from it, just leave it. Seriously. Yeah, but, it's, it's free advertising, for God's sake. People but, aren't uh, going to stop playing Super Mario Brothers because there's a Mario level in Little Big Planet. Yeah, but then the problem is you say, okay, they're not making any money of it, but their you know, Media Molecule essentially are making money from it because there's a Mario level there uh-huh. and, the, and it's being advertised and somebody sees that being advertised and they buy that game due to the fans of that level. And, that's and essentially fine. they've made money from it. It's, it's legal jargon. And that, I was you know, thinking about the uh, the users, not actually... The user doesn't make money right. from it, but yeah, yeah, there's a possibility that you know those Metal Gear levels, those Mario levels, you know those copied levels, the reasons that Media Molecule are making money. And unfortunately, we live in a world where everybody wants a piece of the pie, and that's you know, something that isn't really going to change, I don't think, anytime soon. Fortunately, Metal Gear was something they could rein in and monetize and actually put out packs for and charge you for, but uh, Ma- Mario Little Big Planet, not legally going to happen ever, sadly. <laughs> okay, right. Let's do what we've been playing. <laughs> Right, uh, let's do... Daniel, what have you been doing first? I have been playing a little bit more World of Warcraft. I play it so slowly. I've, I've owned it for years. I've 
never reach the level cap. I'm just kind of Blizzard love you. Do you pay on a monthly basis four years in it? What? How many years? Oh, like three. Have least. you ever cancelled your account? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, have. they love you so much. You are their bitch. You That's, just give them money. Give me a job someday and make it official. <laughs> um, okay, so what kind of Warcraft are you playing? Just elaborate. Oh, just kind of casually, just kind of playing toward the level cap that I will never reach. <laughs> what level are you right now? Uh, I'm actually, guess, I guess I'm getting closer. I'm like 76, 77. Way just... higher than up, me and Tony. What are you at? Yeah, remember, I've, I've, my character's in retirement at 70 because I refuse to play anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I started playing Wrath of the Wit- L- Lich King and I was waiting for Tony to come on and he didn't. So I thought, right, I'm just going to leave this for a while until he does. But I even own a copy of Wrath of the In fact, I own the collector's edition of it. I just, I'm just too afraid to put it in and you won't see me. I won't be doing this podcast anyway. That's oh, for sure. Don't ever touch it, Tony. It's like the friggin' ring. You know... <laughs> Uh, it's, it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> it is. But it, it, you just sit there stroking it all night long. My precious. My precious. Right. That's not bad. Yeah, no, I'm pretty good. Uh, okay, right. Rock Band 2 every day. Of course. Your daily injection. Yeah. Good, good. <laughs> like to hear it. Anything else? That's about it for me. What about you guys? Tony, you first. Well, I'm interested also, you know, have you got any more of the, your little shorts coming out on YouTube? Oh, yeah, well? yeah, yeah. No, anything new? Oh, yeah, I actually, I just finished a rough draft of the script. I, I mentioned uh, Lee Alexander earlier, and I'm actually going to be sort of uh, having her guest star in a way, uh, kind of taking the role that James usually does. Usually a lot of the yeah. ideas that I present in the shows Silent, are Silent things that Pump. James have written. And I want, and she's been writing a lot over the last year or so about kind of the elusive female audience and, video, and uh, that just that the industry has been trying to target and having a hard time of. I can picture it already showing the pink DSs and going, look, this is you, pony riding. <laughs> yeah, oh, things like that. Wait, when's that out? When? Uh, well, it's hard to say because, I mean, we don't really have any deadlines. We're not really officially... No. We, we kind of, like, we, like, release them on Edge or Gamma Sutra, but they're not, like, they're not putting a deadline on us or anything, so... And I know she's really busy anyway, so I'm not trying to make her make her really take a lot of time to work on this give us a ballpark figure on how long it took you to make the other ones they're 10 minutes long and it took you maybe maybe a month month and a half but a lot of that is just writing and just the, the script takes well over half the time and just kind of writing it researching it writing it again re, redrafting it and then just kind of finding time around everything else to actually sit down and do all the little animation kind of doodle sketches drawings all the stuff like that just to just t- on top of everything else. And what's the general response? I mean, obviously, I've read some of the comments, and most people are fairly, you know, appreciative of, of such, you know, in, inside kind of knowledge into this kind of stuff. But I haven't seen too many, you know, negatives at all. Yeah, I mean, it, when starting out, it would, I'd maybe get some more uh, sort of like, God, that voice is annoying. Or uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you get that in real life as well? Or? <laughs> no, or, but the uh, idea of that voice is that it, you know, it, it's it's kind of annoying, but it's it's kind of taking you, you know, through the actual story. If it was somebody speaking really like monotone and drawing, it's just like, oh, why do I care? But it's the fact that it's kind of like this. this my name is this, and we're talking about these. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, if you want to make my voice sound like that this whole way, just this whole way through, uh, just pitch bend it up twelve percent. Okay, just all. okay. I'll I'll pitch bend it up now, twelve percent. Say, <laughs> my name is this, and we're talking about these. My name is this. We're talking about these. <laughs> no, I, I yeah, do I'll love get it. You to do a bumper for us at some point. Like, well. <laughs> I should I should just make a little really. I should advertise for this for this episode of Digital Cowboys. Yeah, totally. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm partly why I did that voice was partly because for the first assignment that I had to uh, 
that I made the video for, we had to do make an oral presentation as close to 10 minutes on the mark as we could. And I had shot over a little bit, so I just thought, you know what? Speed it up. And, oh, and brilliant. <laughs> right. uh, I was really tired by that point. I, I had, this was, this was one of the rare cases in which the entire video came together in two days of like working on it in every working hour just because I had to turn it in. So I was really exhausted by the end. I wish I was wishing I had done the PowerPoint by the end. <laughs> and, uh, but also I kind of like that the narrator kind of becomes a character a little bit separate from me. Just, uh, yeah. Just, and, uh, just also, and I mean, as you can tell, just listening to my voice now, I, I would, bore myself to death listening to myself talk about these topics for six minutes, seven minutes, ten minutes. Well, you might, but I I think we ultimately pitch be buggered. What you're saying is actually pretty interesting. That's good. Thank you. That's so that's the important part. (laughs) Uh, But however, I cannot divorce the idea of you in my head as this weird little cartoon dude (laughs) stuck up there. It doesn't help the fact that that's your Skype symbol as well. (laughs) I'm sure I know I'm not helping. (laughs) And what's the, obviously, you can't really view these without kind of bringing up zero punctuation anyway. Um, yeah. So it, do you have any kind of like, you know, relationship between him and, what's, I can't remember his name. Uh, ben Crenshaw Yatsi, or Yatsi. Yatsi. Yeah. yeah. He's, uh, yeah, I did the first, uh, when I had to do the first video for class, it was a few weeks after, he was a few episodes in, he just started and I was a big fan and I, and I wasn't really planning on doing anything with these videos anyway it was just kind of for an assignment so i just figured no why not i'll yeah i'll make it fun for everybody and since then i know i always kind of put a little credit at the end inspired by his format just because i know anyone who sees it will yeah you learn from your mistakes and they think okay yeah yeah just uh and just anyone who sees it initially will be thinking okay zero punctuation ripoff so at least when they get if they get to the end i can take a little bit of wind out of that sail by uh (laughs) just admitting but this is inspired by but this. The, the thing that got me straight away, obviously, that you know, it's inspired by zero punctuation. But they are two completely different beasts. I mean, zero punctuation in, in particular talks about a specific game every week, where you talk about you know the ideals of how we can actually take the genre forward in in, you know, in many different you know, storytelling, sex, and video games. It's more and of I a think, stylistic decision to actually yeah. portray it in that way. So yeah, well, I'll cling to any shred of originality I have. So. <laughs> Sorry, Chad. No, no, that was all. No, I just wanted to know a bit more because um, I, I must admit I turned into somewhat of a fan. And of, uh, oh, thank you. Many other people I, I've shown this to have also done. Yeah, so, um, yeah we're spreading the word. So uh, yeah, that hopefully should get... I'm going to be a re- regular listener to you guys from now on. Thank oh. you. Okay, well, that's great. Okay, Tony, <laughs> okay. for the love of God, Tony, what have you been playing? Oh, that was far <laughs> more interesting than I could have come up with been playing, that's for sure. Um, <laughs> True, looking at this list, it's a d- d- <laughs> dingy bunch of racers and shooters. Indeed, you know, the, the normal stuff that like, you can find playing. Um, finally, I'm done and dusted with Will, man. Um, obviously, last How did stuff. you have the patience? Well, like I, I completed the story last week, but I actually went back and done all the kind of little side missions, such as, you know, collect packages and break shit and do stuff um is break shit an achievement or what it does give you an achievement yes <laughs> cool. um and all i really want to say about that there's there's one section in there which which is basically you know take people from a to b i.e uh in you're, you're driving a taxi and that just made me think can i have a crazy taxi game on the 360 <laughs> because i was fun. it's not out of the realms of possibility sega are chucking out stuff like outrun right now so you know yeah, I, I don't know. This whole taxi thing from getting from A to B, no story, nothing. It's just like, you know, you're driving still and knowing shortcuts. And it was just a hell of a lot of fun. The most fun I've actually had in that game. So a weird little side mission just made me think crazy taxi, 360, 
PS3. I want. Don't often say that about Sega games. Uh, uh, yeah. Wanted, outrun. <laughs> wanted, weapons of fate. Um, I might actually hold this back for next week. Please do. We, we're running late already. Exactly, so, yeah. when we got a, a bit more time to talk about stuff because I've completed the game and I've got plenty to say about it. And what did um, you think of the 45 seconds of Outrun that they let you play online? 99 seconds. Dude. No, sorry, got to get my facts right here. 99 seconds. Um, the only reason I'm bringing up, a lot of my my friends list has been playing this and a lot of people are really, really liking the, the online aspect of it. Um, it's just a real simple out, you know, anyone, everyone's played Outrun, but it's, you know, it's souped up for, you know, new graphics. Uh, Kind, it's very, very rich racer in style of the, everything you have to do is, you know, over, over exaggerated sliding, sliding. Yep. If you tap anything, your car pretty much comes to a dead halt and people come flying out, flying past you. Personally, didn't do too much for me, but, um, a lot of people have been playing it and I keep, people keep telling me, you gotta buy it, you gotta buy it, it's fantastic online. Um, so maybe next week I might actually have, uh, crumpled and at least it's only 800 points. Yeah, I like the fact that it's, that's a decent price. Yeah, it could have been 1200, you know, with the, the current stuff of the, Well, it's uh, technically, it's pretty much the same as, uh, Out 1 2, which was on the Xbox, which would pull it up to 1200 points if they were going to release the full game. But I'm, I'm assuming that had more of a, an, uh, in-depth mode on it, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've got single player in this and, you know, it, it, and, you know, the multiplayer seems to be really where it is, so. But how much depth can Out 1 ever have? Yeah, I'm, I'm just wary. I, I'm, I think I'm going to just wait a week and see whether the, the fanfare settles down amongst my friends because, you know, there's a chance that this normally happens, you know, a week later. Yeah, we don't play that anymore. And I'm 800 points less off. So I think I may just actually buy um, uh, Chinese Democracy on Rock Band 2 because I quite like it. Ah, so, oh, it's quite fun. It's a fun fact. <laughs> yeah, see, everybody told me that that was a really crap album. So I, I decided I was going to listen to it. Really liked it. It's it's not you know the classic Guns and Roses, but you know it, it's Axl okay. Rose, Axl Rose doing a lot of good fun stuff. So I'm going to pick that up. Right. Well, in preparation for our um, play date on uh, May the 10th, all American listeners, get your uh, calendars out. Um, I've been playing Call of Duty 4 madly. It's uh, a game that's always eluded me. I've always been really quite shit at it, and I've been shit at it all week, and I've been being shot to pieces. So I've been killed so many times, I don't even exist anymore. That Bill Murray from Groundhog Day. I feel like that. Um, it's uh, my ratio of kills to, to uh, deaths. It's like last time I checked, it was like 146 to 350 some. So it's it's not even half and half yet. I, uh, I'm gonna try, I'm at level 8, I think. I'm gonna try to get to something like 25 or 30 by May 10th. Because I'm re- I don't wanna be the one guy who's shit at Call of Duty 4. So, although Edie's actually starting from scratch as well, so she, she might, she might have to tra- practice against me as well, so. Hmm. Uh, but, uh, put it like this. My problem with Call of Duty 4 is that I can't talk about my problem with Call of Duty 4 because it is the most sacred cow in the room. No one dares talk against it. If I wrote an article about it and said, I don't get what the big fuss is about Call of Duty 4. It's just a shooter. Oh, my God, would I get shit on by a thousand people with an opinion. Anyway, Mass Effect. <laughs> Didn't originally see why uh, what all the fuss was about Mass Effect. Played it for about uh, three hours got stuck in the Citadel, forced my way through to the first planet, and just sort of gave up because I was doing a Mako bit and I got shot to pieces several times and had to keep reloading. I thought, you know what? Oh, there's no time for this. I was playing it near Christmas time last year, and it just... It was actually... Now that I, I went back and checked, it was actually more like April last year. I played it pretty close to it coming out. Um, but... Uh, 
yeah, I, I just couldn't really get into it back then. This time, I just thought, right, I'm going to push my way through. And uh, Quantum, bless his heart, guided me through that Mako section and then just sort of kept me going through certain other t- tricky bits and, and with encouragement. I got to the sex scene and I got past it and I got to the bits be- before then where you've got to make some pretty tricky decisions. Um, I suppose it, Can we talk spoilers now? It's been long enough. Look, yeah, part two's ahead. almost out. Come yeah. on. Okay, right. The bit with Rex, when he pulls a gun on you and you're like, oh, shit, I've got to better start talking fast. I love that bit so much because that, that could have gone really, really bad for me because I love Rex and he's an awesome guy. and I did not want to offend him, uh, but he, he would have had every damn reason to plug me at that point because what I was saying. That was a brilliant bit of the game. And then when I had to choose between Kaiden and Ashley... I felt pretty meh about both of them, but at the same time, um, I don't know. I, I think in the end, it was just a very cold decision. I was a soldier. Ashley was a soldier. Didn't need two soldiers. Hmm. Went back for Kaiden. But uh, yeah, it was still a tough decision to make because it was, it was a very final kind of feeling. But the end was Epic, so fucking good. I just, you know, I, I was from what people have been talking about with the, the trailer for Mass Effect 2, I was like, well... Shepard can't be dead but when, when my Shepard came pulling out of the rubble and just sort of limping forwards with a smile on her face I went I actually air punched and went get in there my son oh and I've got to say because of what Bioware did with this character and because of the decisions you got to make and because of how subtly you can control how you behave it's the best portrayal of a lead character in a role playing game ever and that is saying something I've only played to completion what five six role playing games but all of them I felt you know what I'm not really certain that this really is that kind of open ended you can be good or evil in the, in the case of the western ones and in the Japanese ones you get no choices at all and you just got to sit there watching some emo guys you know whine about how that they uh, have difficulty showing love I, I love Final Fantasy but they are a bit maudlin at times but this it's made me yearn for more Mass Effect for Mass Effect 2 and I want us to play Dragon Age uh, Bioware are my number one guys right now uh, and it, it's just really because of the end, because the game itself was a bit of a slog. I've got to say, it's a lot of sort of running between different areas, shooting Geth. I, I like the leveling system, but the item systems buggered up, and like you know, every I got to 150 items limit, and then I had to liquidate everything that I uh, picked up, <laughs> and then I had to pick my way through all of my like gun add-ons. I was like, well, I don't use that, I don't use that, I don't use that. But to me, it's it's the same as what I'm talking about Assassin's Creed 2. You know, yeah. it's like Assassin's Creed. It's full of good ideas. It's just, you know, it's almost like they've run out of time, run out yeah. of budget to actually implement them. And that Mass Effect, I mean, the actual release on the PC fixed a lot of the little infantry stuff quite well. But uh, the thing that, as I said to you, then you didn't believe me for so long. I'm saying the story just drags you in so much. <laughs> and towards the end, there's this, this massive climax, and it's you know it's as good as you know any kind of you know, Star Warsy type thing. You know, certainly for video games, it's a yeah. real kind of like come on. And Joker, best pilot ever. He's brilliant. Like, he even yeah. outstrips Sid in uh, Final Fantasy VII. Um, and the decision I finally made. Interestingly, what what was your decision, you guys? Uh, council or people? Can you remember? <laughs> You have to either save the citadel and all the people in it, or know, let the council uh, and or, or save the council who are in a different ship. Oh, no, I blew the council up. Ah, you went for Renegade. Yeah. Killed that me. was the interesting thing. Uh, Daniel? I, I think I did whichever was the uh, 
good person choice. Oh, you brown noser. You you let the I want to go back die. and play through it as a renegade again. I want to see. I wasn't. Here's the thing. I wasn't playing as a renegade. I was just playing naturally, as as close to how I would honestly choose to the, make these decisions. Mm. And I thought that the fact that technically what I'd done had had been you know, totally against the will of the council and totally against what I was supposed to do, and I wasn't basically being a good guy, but it was a decision that had to be made, rang so true with the character and so true with the game. I, I really didn't mind the fact that it was, I was judged a renegade at that point because it was like, yeah. right, you know what? These guys have pledged their lives to serve the people. They can die for the people. And I made that call, and I felt it was totally right. And the game justified it, and I thought, yeah, totally, brilliant, love it, fantastic. Thank you, Quantum, for going on and on and on about it. <laughs> he's, play, he's played it seven times. Seven no, times. But it's also got a really great kind of um, catalogue of just different characters, beasts. You know, there's, there's so much depth to each one of those characters, even if you're not like, you like to even meet one or two of them. Yeah. It's just, you know, there's stuff you could dig forever in that game. So I recommend it to anyone. The one thing I would, uh, I would want for a second one is maybe a bit more uh, nuance in the speech, because although there's a lot of talking, a lot of it's a bit wood done. And um, I'm now used to, you know, things like Drake's Fortune, which you should play. And Heavenly Sword, which have really good mocap performances. And I think uh, if Bioware got into mocap, they would be unbeatable in terms of RPGs. Mocap performances, that's the way forward. Oh, and I'll tell you something else. Daniel, music in Mass Effect's really good, isn't it? It's very good music, yeah. I've yeah, <laughs> what kind of music you might want to end the show? Actually, end the show with um, the track. If you have the soundtrack, I think it's called Uncharted Worlds. It's really short. But Uncharted it's, uh, Worlds, it's, okay. It's the one you... Uh, it's. What plays when you're choosing a world to navigate to? Oh, right, okay. Really yeah, I, have key. To I, I love this. Uh, the uh, title screen music. Yeah, the title screen music's really good too. I, I was at, I was most impressed with that game when I actually did not know what was going to happen with my choices and what was going to happen. Like yeah, uh, yeah. toward the end, the decision to save either Ashley or Kaiden, I hadn't didn't know that was actually a decision. I, I didn't know one of them was going to die. I just thought I'm going to go help this one. The other one will be fine. And no, so, no, they I, made it really clear. One of them. Actually, I chose this. Like, you know what? Ashley's a soldier. She'll be okay. I'll go save Kaiden. Ooh. And, Ash- and then, and then Ashley dies, and I was, I actually felt lost. I was felt really bad about it, and I kind of wished, in thinking about it, I wished that they had kept the sex stuff, the sex scene, a secret, and actually have it come because, as it was, people knew it was gonna, it was gonna be there. When they were creating their character, a lot of them were probably just kind of thinking of, okay, which one do I, which. That's our man or woman. Which one do I want to? They're kind of think they have the sex scene in mind. A lot of them. Yeah. And it's it just kind of becomes an achievement, more really that you're kind of striving toward. All right, I got to This is the you target in on whichever shipmate. All right, yeah. that that one. And you start, and I make sure to talk to them every time. <laughs> um, but <laughs> but uh, is that not just like real life? That's a point. That's a point. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. I mean, this is the fun thing about Mass Effect and the whole Fox thing. You know, it takes what. 30 hours to get to the, the sex scene and you pretty much have I did to it in 17 okay but you know, something yeah it takes a long time <laughs> but it you actually have to pretty much shun other people entirely yeah you stopped i was like nah man get out of here you yeah, took over and, but you wouldn't really re- i mean i i know i knew that i had to snub other people to eventually get with the person but you know my natural reaction wouldn't have been to completely like oh you, you want to keep the little fires on the go you know if if the yeah, just, chick's you know, not interested you get hiding back up again <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they never made that clear. At, well, wow, Fox News never made that clear. But you know, it's it was just one of those. Well, massive... Fox News didn't make something clear. Call the newspaper to report. <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad you've finally done it out because that's been what, eighteen, nineteen, eighteen months, yeah, nineteen months in the making. 
Oh, speaking, yeah, of, speaking of 19 months, it says in the uh, thing about uh, Assassin's Creed 2, it's been being uh, in production for over two years from the original team. The uh, Assassin's Creed 1 was only released 17 months ago, so maybe if they'd put that original team on the first game and made them work a little bit harder on it, then maybe it wouldn't have just been the same four things over and over again. Bitter, aren't we? I actually really like those four things. I like bullying people. And I like... Um, I like assassinating people. It was good. I like picking pockets. It's all good. I like climbing towers. I, like, I don't like uh, hearing the same voice that I'll sample. Thief! That will cost you your life! <laughs> for about 20 hours. I could have done without uh, that. I, I, I can't oh, yeah. anyway. Okay, right. Random I'm game of the week. Sick. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the random game this week is Hitman Blood Money. And there was a little bit of a clue there in the fact that I had to play it to, uh, and I'd been playing it recently to uh, get that last achievement. Um, I had to play it again because obviously I wanted to reacquaint myself with this game. This was released in 2006. Uh, it was made by IDOS Interactive and IO, who also did Kane and Lynch and Freedom Fighters. Tony, how much do you remember about this game? Oh, and indeed, Daniel, you've played it. So what do you think? I enjoyed it. I mean, it wasn't one of those games that I played that just like just changed my life or anything, but it was it was enjoyable. I I, I had played a few of the older ones too, and I think it's probably the strongest one so far. Yeah, agreed. I I enjoy how there's the it's just they leave you to accomplish your goal however you want to, however you can manage it, and they will set up a lot of situations, a lot of scenarios that could lead to great just you pulling off something awesome. But if you miss it, that's okay. You can just pull your gun out. You can kill him. You can run. Totally. Tony? Yeah, much the same thing. I, I do remember some of those scenarios. It just, you know, massively over-the-top ways of actually managing to kill someone. Nine times out of ten, unfortunately, I'm not the stealthiest guy who would end up with me somehow just dropping <laughs> his head, killing him, and then getting frustrated running out uh, and being shot at. But You're a barbarian. Not- <laughs> I love that. No, what what normally happened was I you know I spent far too long trying to orchestrate something and it just yeah due to my own just like oh bugger I walked around the corner just at the wrong period of time and bang it was the one in the the opera was uh, that was brilliant yeah, yeah it was a fantastic one but I remember having to do that one or two times where I was just like okay I haven't got this it, one quite right need to wait for this guy to walk past. People yeah. with OCD steer clear of this game. You will obsessively try to get a perfect the whole way through. I mean, basically, the whole idea of this game, uh, in case you haven't played Hitman before, it's unlike um, uh, something like Metal Gear Solid. The whole point is that you uh, need to try and... No, actually, the whole point of Metal Gear Solid is stealth. And then if was, you fu- yeah. was stealth. If you fuck up, it's like a little chase, and then you hide in that. In Hitman, if you fuck up, they will hunt you, and they will permanently hunt you. So you basically then have to blast your way out. It's all about observing the level because you get put into this little timed scenario every level, and, and you you know certain things happen at different times, and they only happen once. And you got to watch what happens, and you got to reload, and you got to basically do it over and over again until mm-hmm. you get it perfectly right. The theatre one in particular always seems to spring to mind because um, with that one you rig up the chandelier to blow, 
and at the same time you you um, switch guns on the people on the stage so someone mm-hmm. who's supposed to get shot with a blank gets shot with a real bullet so they're dead and then the other dude runs from his um, balcony box and goes oh my god he's dead runs just under the chandelier and you just stand <laughs> in the background and go click boom and he dies and then you just walk calmly out of the hotel while everyone else is panicking and you feel so fucking cool doing that when it works, it's it's hard to pull off these kills, but when you get it yeah. right, you feel so happy about it. Totally. Yourself. It's all about ex- it, experimentation and saying, well, what happens if I, you know, kill this clown, put him in, or just knock this clown out? Because you, you've got to try. The whole point of it, actually, it, it, as well as observation, really trying to limit collateral damage, that you know, you actually feel a little bit crappy every time you really have to kill someone. The skill mm. is in not killing them and just, you know, yeah. knocking them out and stashing them somewhere, stealing their outfit. One the courtyard them. one was perfect for that. Yeah. And you, uh, yeah, so there's the one way there's that guy under FBI watch and on home arrest. You know, I did that in six different ways in the end. There's one where you just, you go across the street and there's a sniper rifle in the house across there. And you just sort of sit there watching him watch TV and then plug him. And then um, you you wander in dressed as an FBI guy. And and while everyone else is running around, you just take the microfilm and go. And it's, again, it's it's all about, um, ah. how can I say again? It's all about limiting the amount of kills, limiting the amount you're seeing. But it's, it, it is a very subtle game, and it's one of my favorite ones on the Xbox 360, and I really heartily recommend it. Also, Bad choices. Yeah, totally. It's um, it, it's improved over the pre- previous games because in original Hitman games, if someone ran up to you shooting at you with a gun and you didn't have a gun in your hand, you were fucked. You could sort of fumble and try and get a gun out, but you'd probably just die. In this, you just sort of lurch forwards, grab the gun out of his hands in a kind of a foot eye kind of way, clock him with it, and then shoot him. It's, 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 you are so- somehow much better armed uh, in terms of you know what the hitman can do. And you can also move much better than the previous ones. Um, and instead of being Grace of the Sea, we got Grace of the really terrible film instead. Yeah, A, they need to make a sequel to this. It needs to be, you know, current gen standards and it needs to be, you know, way better than Kane and Lynch. Um, I'm not, because they haven't even got it in the pipeline, at least we haven't had it announced, unless they're going to talk about it at E3, we're not going to see one of these for a long time, I don't think. And maybe the film just cooled everyone's uh, ardour for it because the film completely missed the point. There's bits where Agent 47 just wanders into a club and blasts everyone in there. That fucking wouldn't happen there's a bit when he's like they're having a mexican standoff with samurai swords and it's like i don't know how with guns and they drop their guns and and like him and six other hitmen all pull out samurai swords and have a fight for no other reason than wouldn't it be cool if we had a samurai sword fight there's no narrative truth in the hitman film whatsoever and it has a really seedy uh, image of women you know yeah we've talked about this one before that the film is reprehensible and perfect example of how people who make video game movies don't fucking get it so where can you find this hitman that's funny you should ask you can find it on xbox 360 which i would most recommend because most of our listeners probably got a 360 because they wouldn't be able to listen to our crap about the 360 every week without buying one uh it's also available on the original xbox if you got one and the ps2 if you haven't and also pc
read them out. And I, okay, before we start, I forgot to mention last week, the first guy who started me podcasting on a technical level, while we were doing the shout-outs, I didn't mention him, and I kicked myself afterwards when I was listening to it. I'm not even sure if he still listens to the show, but Matt Fowler, uh, you got started, and you're, if not the father of the show, you're the uncle, um, the non-molesting kind of uncle. But, uh, yeah, basically he was doing his own podcast for uh, Join Me, and um, he sort of let me sort of horn in on his territory for a bit, and I did it for a few weeks. Uh, eventually said, you know what, I could probably do this myself. Can you show me how? And he did, and it was great. Thank you very much, Matt. I also forgot to mention Stephen Jones, who always leaves us great comments on the blog and on Facebook. Uh, he left this for us under last week's Mammoth 3 part, which he was very good enough to actually put up with. Hi guys, just got myself the episode 100 Earbuds of Pain achievement. What a fantastic epic show. I guess it says all that's needed that I got through the three parts and could easily have listened to more. You're mental, my friend. (laughs) We can. But there's always next week. There was more, actually. I I cut quite a lot of it out. There was was more news, but it was just, we had to streamline it. How long did the recording go in total time? Oh my god. We were there from 7.45 until midnight. Oh my goodness. Looking forward to the mentioned GoldenEye-based vodcast. We're recording that on Sunday. I hate that name, by the way. Okay, what is a video podcast, then, if not a vodcast? Let's go video podcast. Okay, as this is the game that convinced me to invest in the console. Until then, I had resisted, following my path from BBC Micro to Atari ST to PC. And there I was, happily playing Quake and looking down on the console kiddies with their little plastic boxes. Then along came Goldeneye. I played it once at my mates who had always had Nintendo consoles and went out the next day and bought myself an N64 Bond edition with the golden joypad and memory card. Oh, that tacky golden joypad. (laughs) Why? Since then, it's been PlayStation 1, Dreamcast, PlayStation 2, GameCube, Wii, and Xbox 360. While I still play a lot of stuff on PC, I'm now just as happy to sit on the couch with my little plastic boxes. Best of luck with the next 100 episodes and anything else you decide to throw, or should that be cast our way, happy trails, Stex. Thank you very much, Steve. Right. I'm just going to mention this one last thing before we go. Uh, the sniper rifle article. <laughs> God. Good Lord. Okay, right. Um, I write for Platform Nation at the moment, and I have just, you know, a few articles on the side, and I thought, well, I'm not writing enough at the moment. I've got to, you know, send them a few more things their way. So I, I got an old article I'd written a few uh, days beforehand on uh, for, for, for our blog, Digital Cowboys, that I hadn't previously thought was up to their standards. But I thought, you know what, I just want to write a short piece, because I kept getting accused of writing long ones, or, you know, that, that they were too sort of ponderous. I thought maybe people, maybe something smaller and easy to digest might help. So I put on this little, little tiny article about how I thought the uh, the sniper rifle in Killzone 2 is really good. I like the fact that you can control it with uh, tilty support, and, and that there should be more of that in games where it's not integral to the style of gameplay, but more tilty support in sort of subtle ways. Uh, it got 6,000 hits and 30-odd comments, about 29 of which were basically, this is rubbish, a terrible article, poorly written, it's full of $10 phrases. I freely admit it was. It was, you know, there was ridiculous... <laughs> that. I was I was just trying to make it, you know, fun to read. And it, it just got a bit out of hand, and I just thought, you know, oh, it's silly, but I'll stick it up there. And, and, and oh, my God, the criticisms I got for it. But at the same time, 6,000 hits. He kind of inadvertently <laughs> raised my profile. But most of them were basically bickering and saying, no, you're wrong, the best sniper rifle is the one in Halo 3. No, you're wrong, the best sniper rifle is the one in Call of Duty 4. No, you're wrong, it's Battlefield Bad Company. No, 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 it was the sniper rifle in Perfect Dark, the one that could see through walls. Actually, technically, that was an alien weapon. Oh, well, technically, I prefer... And it was just going on and on and on and on. 
So I'm not sure what to write for my next article, but I think I'm going to say, you know what? I think the best FPS ever is Halo 3. Discuss. <laughs> 20,000 hits later. 20, how dare you say Halo 3? You suck. You deserve to die. But it shows you, you know, you write something on, you know, sex in video games and, you know, storytelling in video no games. Comments, well, Nothing. Right. Yeah, no comments. Nothing. No comments. Co- yeah, got- a couple of people just going, yeah, yeah, whatever, mate. Thanks to um, Chris uh, Reagan for a, a nice uh, little literary one at the bottom of, uh, I think that's the second one, yeah. But you write something that says, you know, this sniper rifle is really good. Bang. All I said was that I like it. <laughs> Okay, so technically the headline was best sniper rifle ever, but, you know, it's, it's not a challenge. Okay, right. Um, just a little reminder, gaming night number two is tonight, which is Saturday the 18th of April. I've just realized I haven't sent out any notification of this, so I better do it pretty fast. It's going to be kind of an off-on-the-fly thing. Uh, last time we did it, it was really great, so, you know, if we can get anyone on for this one, it'll be, you know, great too. I, I, I'd aim for not finishing at 4am this time, but we're going to be starting at 8pm Eastern, uh, sorry, 8pm Greenwich Mean Time, which is about 3pm Eastern Standard Time, Saturday. So. This means we have to leave Peggle out, otherwise that's just what causes it. Because <laughs> we've got to indoctrinate everyone to the Peggle religion. Mm-hmm. Right, so this has been Digital Cowboys. We've been very happy to have on the show Daniel Floyd. You can check out his stuff on YouTube. Do you want to pimp that, Daniel? Uh, yeah, just go to The Escapist every Wednesday and see my uh, new review on video ga- All right, no. <laughs> <laughs> you should as well, that's very silent. <laughs> see my new review on video games. No, if you can just go to YouTube, look up my name, Daniel Floyd. Maybe I'll stop being lazy and actually host him myself somewhere someday. But, um uh, Anyway, guys, thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate you bringing me on, and congratulations on your hundredth episode. That's that, that's a long time to be doing anything. So no, it, it was somewhat of a weird you know, throwback for us because we used to do four-hour shows all the time, but um, uh, it was a bit of a mess. But you know, thanks very much for coming on because when I say I'm a fan, now I really am a fan. It's, it was uh, it. really really good stuff. Yeah. And people go and check them out because you know anybody that listens to this show will have you know something they'll take from any one of those articles yeah it, it just discussing games in depth i love that kind of stuff so uh it goes without saying uh, when we do video games and storytelling guess who's invited now you don't have to come on if you don't want to but you are totally oh, invited no i'm totally anything that's that's fun <laughs> wicked oh. okay okay and we're going to end on some mass effect music this is uncharted worlds from jack wall and richard jack i've been alex sure i've been tony atkins oh and i've been i've been here too i'm daniel <laughs> <laughs> happy trails folks we'll see you next week